three, two, one, go. Hey, guys. <laughs> this is Kim, your hostess with the mostest, and your trusty wingman, Melvin. Hey. And so Melvin had me all tripped up over here because normally he gives me a signal. He fussed at me for not paying attention to his signal, and then he didn't give me a signal. So I'm sitting here with my mouth wide open holding my breath, and he's like, oh. Okay, <laughs> y'all see what I got to deal with? I just show up. I just show up. He the tech guy. Anywho, guys, we are back with the third and final installment of our recap over our marriage enrichment weekend. This is us. This is us. And the third and final point is our extended fellowship. If you guys hadn't had a chance to listen to the other two, make sure to go back. Uh, This is us. Our I keep not having this up when I want to say Yeah, it. I know. I keep on it. Yeah. <laughs> our unique relationship. And this is us. Our local partnership. And now we're on This Is Us. Our extended fellowship. And here we go. I thought this one was really good. This one oh, was yeah. a Sunday. Yeah, uh, it was. Right. I thought this was really good. Um, they started out with Hebrews 12, and we can... Kind of read that and, and go through it. Yeah, it's short. So, okay. I'm not trying to make sure I got the right uh, translation. Okay. So, Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 3. And, of course, y'all know what, what translation I'm reading in NLT. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, then you won't become weary and give up. And I do want to switch over to NIV because there's a specific word um, and uh, verse one. Um, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles. So I wanted to um, highlight the word hinders because this was kind of our lead scripture, the focus scripture. And um, the the couple, they got up there and they I, we told y'all in like, uh, I think it was the first part, they did really good with illustrations. And so in this scripture, it talks about like running the race that's mapped out for you. And, you know, the, the husband had ran a marathon with his father. And so he used that as an illustration. Yeah. And let me say before we get in, so in chapter 11, I won't read it, but go back and take a look at Hebrews 11. And the whole chapter is really just giving examples. of. So in chapter 12, which she just read, she said, you know, we're among this great host of, of, uh, witnesses right Mm -hmm. and before this in chapter 11 it really goes through and gives just starts ringing off people who have gone before us talks about abraham enoch just different people who have who have overcome and gone through this race before us and when he was speaking about it the uh, 
you know, they gave that as a point to say we should draw encouragement uh, of from those who have gone b- before us, you know, who who have gone before us and gone on to glory and really take that as an example to see, look at their lives as an example that the struggles and the, and the uh, pressures and the whatever else that we go through in this life are worth it to get to that prize at the end. Um, we have to take encouragement from from those people that have ran the race and, and finished it. And I wrote in big letters, you know, don't lose heart. And I think that was a very uh, helpful sentiment for me to take away from uh, during that. Because I think sometimes, especially even when, you know, dealing with, with our, you know, raising kids. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're going through things with, with Farah, where she's, up and down in her behavior and mm-hmm. just really working through that. And it could be sometimes disheartening. And sometimes you can feel like, are we ever going to get to the, <laughs> when, when is the payoff here? Yeah. Uh, and, and even when we're dealing with things in our marriage where we're having bumps, you know, and it feels like we can't, you know, we just can't get to that we just can't get to that point. You know, we just get, keep getting stuck. Just remembering like these things are all worth it. This is, and this is part of it. This isn't a place where we're deficient at. This is part of it. The struggle Mm. is, is meant to build us up. If we, if we fight in the right way, if we struggle in the right way. Um, so yeah, I thought that was great. Yeah. I, um, like the illustration cause I'm a visual person. So, he um, went on and just started painting this picture. He was telling us about when him and his father uh, ran a marathon some years back. And um, they had made the decision prior to the race that they were going to finish together. Right. And, you know, they weren't going to run off from each other. They were going to, if one of them needed to walk, both of them walk. If one of them sprinted, they both were going to sprint. But And he even said that, like, you know, there was a time where it felt like his dad actually was like physically like pushing him. He got behind him and kind of was pushing him because like his legs was locking up on him and stuff. And of course they paralleled that to marriage that we as, um, we as a couple, we're like running partners, you know, and something that really got me to a point where like, I even like um, apologized to Melvin was that like, cause I really like what he said that like, we're going to finish this together. If one of us needs to walk, we both walk. We're going to jog together. Both of us going to jog together. And like, I have to admit, there have been some times where, you know, I have been doing spiritually, I guess, I don't know if you could say spiritually better, but um, for lack of better words, I'll say that um, than Melvin and it's almost like I have run off without him, you know, and I had to apologize to him in the car for that from the past because, you know, I don't want to lead a separate spiritual life than you, you know, and we are going to finish this, this race together. You know, I know one of us is going to pass away before the other, but we're going to like, carry each other like if that means that if I'm not doing spiritually well you need to get behind me and push me like what that his father did to him that's what 
I want us to be willing to do. And it really, him using that illustration really like convicted me. And I was like, wow, because I know there have been some times where we've had conversations and you have mentioned that like, you know, spiritually we're like two different people. And I don't like to hear that, but I have to admit that I'm at fault for that. So yeah, that was one, that was the illustration that he used because in Hebrews, it talks about the race that is mapped out. And that was the illustration that he yeah. used. Yeah. And he, he mentioned, you know, at the end of the day, our marriage is only to serve one purpose. God chose me for you, you for me, because we are the people who will best who are best suited to help one another to make it to heaven, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is our, that's gotta be our focus. We gotta be willing to drag one another kicking and screaming across the finish line and, you know, getting behind and pushing and whatever else we gotta be in it to fight for one another. And it is hard because you live your whole life, this singular entity, right? This, uh-huh. this, it's me. You got your friends, you got your family, but at the end of the day, it's me. This is the first relationship and the only relationship in which you are supposed to be one. Two people come together to make a person tied together by God. And one can't, you know, we, we, we are used to being able to like compare ourselves, right? And we do it all the time. That's why you f- argue in marriages. How much are you doing compared to what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. How, you know, how much, um, you know, I'm doing more to keep the house clean or I'm doing more to do this. We argue about it on the podcast. I'm doing more. And, th- you know, those are where our arguments come in at. And really for both of us, like, I mean, that's that's a shameful thing to think about because at the end of the day, if you're not doing well, then I'm not doing well Mm -hmm. because we should be that tied together where I can't be high stepping and leaving you behind. Mm -hmm. I'm not out here for the MVP race. I want to win the championship. And we always have to be, we are not wired that way through our experiences in the world. Mm -hmm. By nature, we are designed to preserve ourselves. Mm -hmm. But the spirit, works to rewire us but we have to be intentional about following that in you know making sure that it's not good enough just for me to do well or just for you to do well but being intentional in that yeah I I thought that was that was pretty impactful Mm -hmm. um and he also said like the goal and achieve some level of success like really staying focused on what our our marriage is about and I think sometimes I can lose focus of, of that. I can get focused on, you know, making sure we achieve business goals or educational goals, raising our children a certain way. And really, that's not what our marriage is for. Our marriage is to make sure one another make it to heaven and to make sure that we are influencing as many people as possible in a positive direction, ultimately helping them to make it to heaven, whether it's through our kids or whatever else. And one point that he made was, you know, that's kind of how you start to teach your kids. And I think as Christians, we can forget as Christians, as the Ellis's, we can place a high level of importance on things that are not that important in the grand mm. scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're shaping Farah's 
I don't want to say moral compass, but yeah, I guess her moral compass, but her what what she finds worth in, what she sees as valuable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. One of his things that, you know, from that scripture in Hebrews, it talks about throwing off the things that hinders you. So their points lined up with what are the things in our marriage that hinders us. And uh, they gave five points. We'll read them all to you guys, but we're just going to kind of talk about the ones that really struck a chord with us. So I'll read them off. The first thing that can hinder us is expecting more righteousness from your spouse than yourself. Yeah, that struck a chord with me and uh, expecting more righteousness from Melvin than from myself. And that kind of goes back to why I apologize to him is because there have been times and I could catch myself now if I don't if I don't watch it where like, you know, because I'm a person that is very structured. You know, I get up very early. I read. I pray. I get up. I get my oldest up ready for school. And Melvin is the opposite of me. You know, I mean, like he's he has his own way of his routine. But because his routine ain't like mine, (laughs) I can think something wrong with him. And I am guilty of feeling like he should be more righteous or having those thoughts of he's not doing this or and we've. When we've talked about we've only had a couple of arguments, but those couple of arguments we have had like a thousand times, that's one of those arguments about you're not doing this enough for something. That's my downfall for me. And so this point really struck a chord with me. And I think mid-sermon, like we were sitting beside each other, I like whispered to you, like, I'm sorry, like I'm the one that struggles with this. You don't struggle with this. Yeah. Cause I don't really see I uh, maybe my sin is just blinding me so much right now. I don't really see where you struggle with this. Uh, yeah, I I may just not be as outward <laughs> outward in my feelings, but I think this is this is something for everybody, man. I, I mean, I we live in a world of the scripture Matthew seven uh, three where it talks about. I'll just paraphrase it, it's, but it's Matthew seven three through five. But the, basically, the idea of Look to to speck in your own eye. Look to the plank in your own eye before you try to remove a speck from somebody else's eye. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, that's the tool. Yep. You know, when we expect more righteousness from somebody else than ourselves, anytime you're standing in judgment of somebody, that's exactly what you're doing. So I do that for sure. When I feel like you are being judgmental towards me mm-hmm. or judgmental towards the situation, I can act like I, I don't do it. But I'm super judgmental. I'm judgmental all the time. I may process it at a certain speed or I just may not say something, but I'm I'm judgmental. <laughs> and even if I don't struggle with the same thing, you know, we would never have arguments if I didn't do that. That I know. Mm. If I didn't struggle with this, then we wouldn't ever have a problem. Because as long as one person's holding on to righteousness, then there's not going to be an argument. So I have to struggle with this a lot. And I'm trying to think of some clear examples, but there, I'm sure that there are a lot. Another one was, do you still want, you have any more to say on that? Mm-mm. That's all I had to say about that. I think that's a big one though. I think it, it's funny now, it doesn't seem like we got a lot of say on it, but for people listening, that's, that's something you got to really kind of sit down and, 
and talk about and think about is do you expect more righteousness out of your spouse than yourself? Another, the next one was finding joy through your children. I don't really think we struggle with that like that. I mean, I can see it being a temptation because we we adore our children. You know what I'm saying? Like we adore them and they're just at this place where their personalities are just shining through and we just gush over them. You know, like even when we're like together, like we're telling each other, like the other person, like what the child did. And this is like today I was like telling Melvin how like our youngest, she's 18 months old. She got a black eye, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> because she didn't want to share her toy and her and the little kid at daycare was kind of fighting on the toy. Somehow or another, they bumped heads and now our child got a shiner under her eye. I mean, like, I mean, it's, it, I mean, you don't want your baby to have a black eye, but it's cute because we know how, how, we know how she is. You know what I'm saying? So, but I still don't think that, I don't think that's, that we, I think we work very hard to not do this. Like when we have time, we try to talk about things outside of our kids. I mean, it's something that we had to stay on top of for sure, because I know when, when Farrah is having some problems, Mm. it definitely can impact our joy. Yeah. It could definitely, that's right. uh, It's not always readily. uh, We're not jumping on the, Looking at hope, you know what I mean? Mm, okay. So we can definitely get that woe is me type of feeling and thinking about, you know, what are we going to do and start to worry mm. and not really feel joy. So, again, I think that's a, a big one. And and I think that's only going to grow as, as our kids get older probably. Yeah, because I do remember them making that, that statement that, like, when your joy is tied in with your kids, if your kids are not doing well, then you – will not be doing well spiritually. And like there was a lot of moans and groans in yeah. there, you know. I think especially from people who, when, when your kids get a certain age and mm. they start to make decisions yeah. based on like spirituality for real. You know, yeah. if you are somebody who is, you know, who is a, a Christian and your kids are not making those same decisions or even if it's not in you know, spirituality, if your kids are not deciding to have the career path that you think is going to be acceptable for them or whatever. But at the end of the day, our joy can't be tied to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number three would be, did I write this right? Settling for where I'm at now. Did I write that right? Yeah. Settling for where you're at now. Sometimes I get to do, I don't know what I'd be doing sometimes with my note taken. Yeah. I I thought this one was good. Um, I did have, I think we do have to be leery of this. As you get to that point to where you feel comfortable. Explain it because I I, I didn't make a lot of notes here. So I forgot what they said here. So in your, in your marriage, if there are no glaring things, right. And you're Mm -hmm. just kind of, Coasting? Coasting, status quo. Everything is good and not really. So I think that's one manifestation of that. Mm -hmm. But I think also just accepting a subpar marriage, Mm -hmm. accepting the problems that you have is just part of life. Yeah. You know, accepting, yeah, we argue, but you know, whatever. That is just life. Mm -hmm. Not demanding 
at, from yourself, not demanding the things that God has said he has in store for you. Yeah. I think I remember them saying that, like, where you're at, you don't have to stay there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And being hopeful that it will pass. Like, this is not permanent. This right. is temporary. That Yeah, now I remember that. Yeah, what they said there, too. And you keep on mm-hmm. working on the same thing over and over and over mm-hmm. again. It is very tempting to, to give up and mm-hmm. just just settle and put your energies into some other thing, some other area. And they say it's a barrier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Number four, being a critic of the church instead of a servant. Yeah. This one is me, for sure. This is something I have to always look out for. Always. I think that I have experienced periods of growth in it. Okay. But then I think that I got kind of comfortable, like I don't have to deal with that anymore, and then it mm. slaps me right back. Okay. Um, I am I am definitely a But here goes my conviction on this, Kimberly. Okay. And I've talked to you about it before. <clears throat> And I, I was actually talking to Louise about it a couple of days ago. I think that not everyone has a discerning eye. Yeah, I agree. I think that it is a a gift to not be okay with just the status quo and things. To be able to um, see areas for improvement and areas for repentance. I think that's a, a, a gift. But I think that like with anything, you can use that gift selfishly or you could use it to 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 grow the body. And I think how that comes out with is just like what they said there is if when I see something, am I just going to complain about it? First off, am I just going to complain about it to myself mm. or to you? I think it's very easy for me just to complain to you about it because it's like my safe space. Yeah, I think marriage that's where it happens the most. Yeah. <laughs> or like if you have roommates, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to complain a lot to that group of people. Yeah. And instead of being a solution oriented person, um, being somebody who now I think that you should go and if you see something that's not quite right, I don't think it's bad to say something. Right. Mm-hmm. But understand what your place is. So let's say I see something. I'm like, man, we just, I I don't think this is right. And whoever the leader is that I'm sharing this with is like, well, I just don't see that. Mm -hmm. I've got to be okay with taking it to God now. Mm -hmm. Like now it's time for me to just pray about it and figure out what I'm supposed to do, where my actions are supposed to go. Mm -hmm. If there's a deficiency in the church, then what am I willing to do to change that? If I feel like, hey, we need, we don't have a good way for, Let's just say the poor. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like we do enough for the poor. Hey, Mark, we need to do more for the poor. Well, bro, I just don't see it that way. I think that we have this, that, and the other. Well, if this is something that I really feel, I'm wasting. I, should I even go and say something to, to Mark about, about that? If I don't think we're doing enough for the poor, my first reaction shouldn't be to just go and complain to somebody about it. Mm-hmm. It should be to do something for the poor. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm the church. Yeah. And so instead of standing by by and criticizing, do something about it. Do mm-hmm. something with it. Um, and I think the other side of that is also typically when somebody is, is a person who is willing to speak up, a lot of people share their complaints with them. Yeah. 
Yeah. And a lot of times I I would be the sounding board for those things and then I would boil them up. But I think that that's not very helpful. And then mm-hmm. the, my next thing would be, well, why don't you go and talk to that person about it? Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's very helpful either. Yeah. I think the better thing is to challenge people to say, hey, why don't you do something about it? Yeah. You see this this deficiency, we'll do something about it. Yeah. Don't whine about it and complain because that does nothing. Mm-hmm. It you had God gave you the vision and you need to do something about it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I remember uh one time and you know I'm a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Ooh. So anyways, uh when I was a bright eyed bushy tailed Neo, um, we were having one of our numerous meetings and I was that person that like people knew that I wasn't afraid to raise my hand and uh speak in a room full of people. Um and, and so people would come to me. I had sisters that would come to me and would not come out and just flat out ask me to say something, but they would be like, oh, well, this is a problem. Oh, this and kind of get me riled up. And I'd be <laughs> like, yeah, that is a problem. And I remember one particular meeting. I raised my hand and the president had called on me and I started talking and she starts coming back at me and kind of not being rude or mean, but kind of debating me. And I remember at one point in time, I thought I said, and I said it, I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not saying I feel this way, but there are people up in this room that may feel that way. And she stopped and she said, look now, Kim, if I were, if I were those people, I would be that person that spoke up. Don't be the mouthpiece for somebody else because you was about to get gone in on and get the the uh, the brunt of all of this for somebody who is not uh, confident enough. She said some other choice words to um, stand up and say what they feel. And from that point on afterwards, I still had some of those sisters that would come up to me and say things and that I would do exactly what you said. And I'd be like, well, you know, and I would think to myself, does this frazzle me? enough to say something if it doesn't then this is not my fight to fight (laughs) if you are if this bothers you then you should be the one to say it and now as a now this was before I was a disciple now that I am a disciple of course I'm not going to say it the way that I used to say but I more so now try to empower people to feel like you are a part of the body as well you know, and, and show, and show biblical scripture that like, if this is how you feel, there needs to be more people saying this, because if it's just one person saying something, it's easy to be thought of like, well, this is just one person complaining, right? but you know, and so, um, so yeah, <laughs> that's my point. And I just want to tell you that story. To wrap that point up, I do also feel having been a leader in church as well as you know just in my in my regular world uh it's very important to go back to what we said in the last episode creating an environment of humility Mm. an atmosphere of humility yeah um because you know the you have to so 
I don't know. I, I guess there's a, a balance there um, where you don't just want to be a complainer, but also you don't want to have a situation where people are afraid to come and, and share with you. So they just stew. Um, if so, if you got a, a if that's like running rampant in a church where people are just grumbling, I think there's a couple of levels to that. There's a lot of people that are not doing what they're supposed to do. Um, but anywho, um, let's go to number four. Oh, number no, five. five. I'm sorry. The last one is comparing yourself to others. I can almost read my writing, comparing yourself to others. And I would have to say after the first point, this was probably the one that I have to be intentional about, especially in this um, world of social media and everybody like post the highlight reel of them and a relationship and relationship goals and, and all that stuff like that. You, it's easy for you to, it'll be easy for you to like feel like your relationship doesn't add up, you know? Right. Yeah. I think you, your relationship, your, your kids, your, your everything. I can get, I like to say that I'm not materialistic and I'm not uh, caught up in keeping up with the Joneses, but I think there is a part of me that if I'm not careful I definitely can be. And it definitely can change depending on the type of people that I'm surrounding myself with. I'm very driven and I'm very competitive. And uh, I try to keep that competition centered around myself, like competing with myself. Um, but sometimes I just, I can't do it. And I get caught up in in wanting to to achieve things just for, you know, the sake of achieve, like the, achieve things just so I can look a certain way or, or look at myself a certain way when in comparison to someone else. Um, and it makes me, when I get into that mode, it makes me make decisions that I really wouldn't make, like based on, make decisions based on things that are not really important to me. You know, maybe want to go and buy a certain car or, or get a certain job hustle to get a certain position when really I could care less mm -hmm. um, because I know that not that I could care less, but if I looked at my order of importance, let's say this job is going to make me travel all around. Mm -hmm. And for me, the thing that's important is being here and being available for my family, my church and to do things that I actually enjoy. But if I get caught up into this rat race and compare myself with other people, I, I'll jump out and do other things. Yeah, I think it goes back to that Hebrews where like it says uh, run with endurance the race that's mapped out for you. And that's about staying in our lane. Yeah, You know, it's really about staying in our lane. You know, um, I would like to sit up here and say that I don't compare our marriage to other people. Um, that I know personally, people that I see on social media, I would be lying to say that. And so ways that I help myself snap myself back into reality <laughs> is I have to, I literally like kind of go down a list, a mental list of why I married my husband, 
why our marriage, why I love our marriage. You know what I'm saying? Like, I am convinced I wouldn't have been able to marry not anybody else. Like, I don't, for one reason, I don't think nobody would be able to handle me like like you do. <laughs> but, like, the way that we we have had, we have seen it in full-on proof, the way that we complement each other, like a hand in glove. I, I, I wouldn't have been able to have that with anybody else. Yeah. And okay. and that's just, you know, and when I think about it like that, I don't want anybody else's marriage. I don't want anybody else's husband or what it appears to look like. I want what I have because that's what is feels right for me. Let me give you this other thought on that. When you compare yourself to, to other people, your marriage to other people, it can prevent you from trying things you know it can forget it can prevent you from dreaming because you may look at your dreams and and what you guys feel like your your route is or your road is and when you compare it to other people it it may not line up with with what the traditional idea of i don't want to say success but the in the in the kingdom it's it can be the worst because you can really fall into the tradition of of what it means to be a a Christian, right? You can fall into this little box of whatever church you go to, this is kind of the ideal path and the ideal thing. And and I'm not talking about literally becoming a Christian like biblically. I'm saying the culture that surrounds what it means to be a good Christian. And you can find yourself in a box and not contributing really what it is that God has for you to contribute. Um, I think about us doing this podcast. We really didn't have anybody to, to look to, yeah. uh, to, to do something like this. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any examples and there may have been, if we were, we were in leadership before this and we've shared that before in a, in a, another podcast, but you know, that's kind of the example of of a healthy Christian, where you do your thing, and then you become a leader, and you lead a small group, then a bigger group, then you continue going in that route until the end. And uh, you know, there are just different ways to 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 give, but we had, and really, it was Kimberly was really. Um, instrumental in us thinking outside of the box in that because we decide life just kind of said hey we we can't do this right now we got another child coming we really got to kind of scale back a bit and we had to make that decision you know it kind of made us think a little bit to where does this mean hey we scale back until we can get back in order and then we jump back in the fray or do we figure out another way to impact people and to, and to lead without necessarily having a title. And again, like I said, it looking around, there wasn't a lot of things to compare it to, but um, I think God, God has been blessing it. Yeah, I do. And I feel like I have felt confirmation that this was exactly what God wanted us to do um, for this season, because Things just have flowed naturally, yeah. you know, and, you know, I, I like what how how you put that, like, you know, 
That's that's why it's so important to stay in your lane, because if you're not tending to what you should be doing, there is going to be lack in the kingdom. Right. Like whoever you're comparing yourself to or you're trying to like model yourself or, you know, your uh, your uh, marriage after. They're already doing that task. They don't, there's not a need for somebody else to be doing that same exact task. Um, you should, you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing, you know? And so even if it's writing a book, yeah, there's millions of people that write a book, but there is a specific book that you're supposed to write. And you know that, you know, I have a line sister and we interviewed her, um, Sian Nash, she's a therapist, a mental health therapist, and she's now a full-time author. And she writes, she writes uh, Christian fictional books to help that are rooted in mental health. And that's her target group is the person who has mental illness, but it's a f- fictional Christian books. And She's phenomenal at that. Like, I can tell that literally God has anointed her pen. Like, I, I can tell you, it. She, I mean, anointed, you know. And But what if she thought, you know what, I should do, I'm a mental health provider. Um, how about I write a self-help book? Well, that's not what God told you to do. Right. God already gave that assignment to somebody else. And so... I think that's where the danger of comparing yourself to is that you will totally miss the mark, not just for yourself, but for the kingdom of God. Somebody need to hear what you're doing, what what God, like somebody's going to get affected, be affected by your assignment, your completed assignment. And so to me, that's what soul sense is all about. We know nobody that's doing this the way that we're doing it. And that's not to brag Cause it ain't like we got a whole lot of following, (laughs) but we're not doing it for that. You know, we felt, we saw that there was a need. There were too many conversations and people that we touched that we were just like, there's a need for people to see how to practically apply the Bible to your life. It's not as hard as everybody's making it out to be. It's not this foreign thought, you know? And so hence why we are here today. Bit boom data. Bit boom dot dot dot. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I don't know either. You got anything else before we close out? Uh, no. Um, no, I thought again. Uh, we we need to put, we'll put some links to these individual lessons. Yeah. Uh, in the in the podcast because they're they're while we're giving our interpretation of them, it does it no justice. You definitely have to to take a listen. And if you are married and if you're not married, if you're thinking about getting married, it, man, it will, it will do you so much good to, to listen to these things. And, um, also just make a decision to start investing in your marriage. I mean, Cause it's, that's the thing that you're going to be with your whole, your whole life, you know, um, and it's going to pay off the most, but yeah, no, that's it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, guys, this is the conclusion to the three-part series of the Marriage Enrichment Weekend Recap. This is us. 
You have been listening to your hostess with the mostest, Kim, and your trusty wingman, Melvin. Hello. And we thank you guys again for following us on this journey. Please follow us on all of our social media handles. Instagram, we are Soul Sense Podcast. On Facebook, we are Soul Sense Podcast. On Twitter, we are Soul Sense Pod. P-O-D, that's short for podcast. And also check out our website, um, soulsenseministries.com. And uh, if you like anything that you see, if you care, please share. That's all. Anyways, guys, uh, we love you guys and we catch you later. Bye.